Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better... This is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, to get started. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? That's more rocket Ajax to bring back his body. Hello everybody and welcome to Warlock and Ajax live in Coffee Bean City. I thought Pleasure Town. Is is this mic coming through at all? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're extremely professional. Yeah. Well, we didn't set up any of this. <laughs> uh, hi, everybody. Uh, this is Warwick and Ajax. It's the internet's most destructive comic book and pop culture podcast, and we are your hosts. My name is Chris Sims, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Matt Wilson. Hi. Do you? I have. I have my phone. If you want to do a, a different intro, if you want to do a different intro, okay. that's fine. Okay, I'm gonna do a different intro. Uh, while Chris is messing around on his phone, uh, I don't know how many of folks who are here are fans of War Rocket Ajax listeners to the show. There we go. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really strange to not know whether anything we're saying is coming through anywhere. Uh, so that's, that's a fun time. 
Um, but we just wanted to maybe introduce our, ourselves a little bit because, like I said, we don't know who here is familiar with the show or not. And uh, we realize this is something that we literally have never done on the show. I do not think we have ever done on the show. We start every episode assuming everyone knows everything about us, uh, which is very presumptuous. So, uh, my name is Matt Wilson, as Chris said. Uh, I'm a writer. Uh, we're both writers. That's kind of the thing of the show. I don't guess our show really has a gimmick, but it's a comics podcast where we're both writers. Uh, I've written uh, two books called The Superland Handbook and The Superland Field Manual. Uh, I write a comic that is available on Comicsology called Pernix Jones Robot Detective. Uh, and in addition to this show... Hi, guys. Oh, hey, someone's at the Matt door. Matt just dropped by. <laughs> Hey, Emma. I heard you guys were hanging out at the Pizone. I had to come check it out. Thank you. Thank you. We're in the podcast zone, and I've been wanting to call it the Pizone, and Matt is shutting me down, and, it's, and everybody loves it. Bye, Matt. Bye, guys. Matt, that's just funny. We don't, we don't think we can curse up here, and I just want to curse so bad. Do it. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> definitely children are out. Jiminy's <laughs> Biscuits. <laughs> so you were saying, Matt, you've written two books. You've got a third on the way. Third on the way, coming out in June, called Supreme Villainy. Uh, so that's what's up with me. Um, Chris, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you? Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, I'm a writer, uh, most recently of X-Men 92 from Marvel Comics, uh, which I have copies of at the table in the Pizone, if anyone wants to come by and pick those up. Uh, I also have a... Uh, Please don't call it the Oh, We're also working on uh, Deadpool Bad Blood with Rob Liefeld, which is the first ever Deadpool original graphic novel, which is going to be super awesome. Uh, I cannot wait for people to read that. Uh, we have a Guardians of the Galaxy one-shot coming out next week, so go to your local comic book store and buy Guardians of the Galaxy number one point MU. Is what I, I don't know if it's called. It's the Monsters Unleashed one-shot. It's really good. No rocking groove. It's great. Uh, I've also been uh, writing about comics online for 12 years, which is horrifying. <laughs> I am about to crumble into dust. We met as internet comedy writers, which is the coolest way. <laughs> so cool. We met writing for thecracked.com. No. The Cracked Magazine. The Cracked Magazine. Yeah, it existed for four issues, <laughs> and we wrote in all four of those issues. Uh, yes, we did. Uh, but anyway, that's a little bit about us, and uh, we like to play games on War Rocket Ajax. We like to fun around, and uh, we thought we would do we, we do a thing called Every Story Ever, where we rank every comic book story ever written. We're up above 500 now. Uh, Top to in, bottom. In the rankings. Best awards. That's right. And uh, we do a thing now called Panel President, where we rank comic book characters. We're not doing either of those today, because it would be excruciating. I I still think it would work. I still um, think it would work. Because this is not getting edited. We would be sitting up here going, oh, I don't know what to write that. For, like, we'd write one story. And that would be it. And that would, that would, be, that would work. Um, People would love that. No, they wouldn't. Um, but uh, we are going to play a little game where we each tell you something about each other. We are going to tell all of you something that you probably don't know about each other. Which is going to be difficult, because literally 90% of the conversations I have had with Matt Wilson in my life have been recorded and put out as a podcast. <laughs> well, we're friends. We, so we talk, we, our most extensive conversations. All right, with that in mind, Chris, do you want to start and tell everybody something? No, you should start, because mine might be me, and I want to... <laughs> and I don't, I don't want a retaliatory fact about me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm doing a gym up here on a podcast. It's good. I'm gym. We never get to do visual jokes on the show. Uh, so, Chris, I found this out about Chris this morning. He knows all the words to the theme song to Wild Wild West. <laughs> do you? Do you? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah, Take a walk. Don't try to big time somebody when you ain't got it. Yeah. <laughs> big time Uzi um, over here. But that is that is something people may not know about Chris. 
Okay, say your mean thing about me. It's not that mean. This is, I told you this before. I told you this when I, when I landed. Matt, Matt Wilson, is the kind of person who, when he, when he knows that he has a friend, a good friend, who only just recently got over his fear of flying. This is a spoiler for my book, by the way. This is a spoiler for your book. Matt is the kind of person who, when that friend, let's just call him Chris, <laughs> says, hey, I got that, uh, that copy of your book, your new book, that I'm like, really excited to read, but I haven't had a lot of time. I think I'm going to read it on the plane out to Emerald City. You know that six-hour plane ride? Then I'm going to start reading it while we're on the ground and continue reading it as we fly? Matt is the kind of person who will not say the phrase, oh, heads up, I do describe a plane crash on page one of that book. <laughs> it's, it's mentioned. It's not like a loving detail. I talk about the, the fuselage crashing to the ground. Keep, keep going. Uh, but, but By all means. I got my comeuppance on that anyway. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, so, we have a great show for everybody this week. We've got plenty of surprisements in store. Matt Fraction was Matt on. Matt Fraction just came on the stage. Uh, we think we have... We're pretty sure. Charles Soule and Ryan Brown from the Image Comics series Curse Words uh, coming up here to talk to us in just a few minutes. Uh, I don't actually see them. <laughs> they'll, they'll be here. I was a little... I went and talked to them. I was a little intense with them earlier. Uh, I, I told Charles... This is how it's going to go down when I saw him. And uh, and so, you know, that makes this handwritten question I have for him probably weirder, too. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, so they're coming on. Uh, we're going to talk to them. It's going to be great. But before we do that, Chris. Yes, Matt. Let's do some checks and recs. Let's do some checks and recs. I need the checks and recs theme song. <laughs> <laughs> this is why there's editing. Oh. That's good enough. <laughs> Works for me. Checks and Rex is the segment of the show where we check in with what we've been doing, and then we wreck amend something else. I don't think... I think people get it. You know, uh, Chris... It's been four years since we've done this in front of people. That's true. I have no idea how to do this. Chris, what are you checking in with? What's going on with you? I don't, I don't know. I'm in a mental city. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. You surely had something else prepared for <laughs> I literally do not. You're, you have such a good one, though. You have one that's going to take some time. All right, you want to, you, I'll just do mine, then. Okay, you just do yours. I thought you had one. <laughs> it's only been 332 episodes of this show, Matt. I don't really know how it works. So, my check this week, which I prepared beforehand. <laughs> uh, I live in North Carolina. Both of us live in North Carolina. And uh, I flew here from, well, I had a connecting flight. I flew from Asheville, my, where I live, to the city of Charlotte, and then flew all the way from Charlotte uh, to Seattle. The, the original first flight, totally fine. Then I get to Charlotte, and uh, we're delayed for two hours because of thunderstorms. Then we finally leave uh, pretty late at night. I watched Suicide Squad on the plane, which may be the reason all this happened. <laughs> and I'll get to more about Suicide Squad. Uh, then, about an hour before the plane lands, the pilot comes on and says this. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, just wanted to let you know this because it's uh, important. Looks like we're going to have a problem with the, uh, the nose gear. Uh, could be an issue. Uh, <laughs> if it's uh, an electrical problem, then uh, it'll be fine. We'll have an old leg. But uh, if it's a mechanical problem, uh, we might have a non-normal leg. And I, I told Matt... I was kind of like sad that I flew out here alone. It's a long plane ride. It's always more fun to have like a friend or if Aiden did come with me. Or, you know, the last time I flew out here, I was sitting next to Chad. If I had heard that, I would have died. 
It was not a cool thing to hear. <laughs> and uh, then the flight attendants proceeded to show us a safety demonstration where we had to get into brace positions. They had to come by and check our brace positions to make sure we were doing them correctly. This is when we were like, oh, a non-normal landing means a crash landing. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want to uh, blow, blow up the, the visuals right now, nor do I want to blow up anybody's spot, but Andy Creighton's face in the audience right now is amazing. This is, it was my face when you were telling me this. So here we are thinking that, you know, we're going to, the front of the plane is going to skid across the runway. They talked about fire trucks being there to meet us. And the entire time I'm looking up at the, at the uh, overhead bins thinking, I'm be able to get my books out. <laughs> I need to sell those. I pay for those out of my pocket. I mean, I got them at cost, but I can't really eat that money. <laughs> that, like, they'll probably make us, like, if we have to slide down on the little slides, like, they probably won't let me get my suitcase, but, like, will somebody go in there and get them? <laughs> I'll just be like, I really need that. <laughs> uh, so that's what I was thinking the whole time. Maybe ten minutes before we hit the ground, uh, the pilot came on and said, "What's like, uh, it's going to be a normal way. <laughs> and and uh, people applauded. Uh, then we got on the ground and we were towed to the gate because there was still like a steering problem. And that was when I was just like, this needs to be over a very long time. Uh, and that's my check. Chris, what, do you have something to recommend? Please tell me you have that. Uh, <laughs> I've been very busy. Honestly, Chris, I thought your check was going to be the story about going to Dick's Drive-In, where they can't uh, special make your Okay, 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 okay. We, we, we're in Seattle, obviously. We don't live here. We're from the East Coast. Where time is normal and flows at the rate of one second per second, as it should. Not like this mystical land out here where all the hours are messed up. And it's 3 a.m., but it's only 11 o'clock or whatever. We're hungry. I didn't know you were going to cut a promo on time zone. <laughs> Don't make me laugh if you want to get through this. We only have an hour. Okay. we got to do a full interview segment in a minute. I didn't read any comics either this week. So, so we're And so we're like, so we ask, we have somebody come to the table and we're like, hey, y'all don't have like In N Out up here, which is why I would go to In N Out if you did. Apparently there's one like across Lake Washington or whatever, but that's too far for us to walk. I had to go watch Riverdale. So. Chris recaps Riverdale for comics. I recap Riverdale for comics lines with Emma Lawson, uh, who's here. This week's episode was lit. Uh, so we, this guy tells us that uh, that uh, the, the the local fast food place, the local burger place that we need to hit up is called Dick's Drive-In. And so we walk up a hill. And I, have you seen the hills you guys have out here? I do not like it. I do not like it. I am from a flat land. Pray this up. Okay, so we got a Dick's Drive-In, and we, did, like, we ordered the burgers. And uh, uh, I like my burgers plain. Matt also likes his burgers plain. Because I'm there to eat a cheeseburger, not a, a, a mustard. Not a mustard. Not a mustard. <laughs> so we get up to the counter, and Matt's like, yeah, can I have a burger with a uh, lettuce, no tomatoes? Uh, and the guy's like, we cannot do that. The only way that we can serve these burgers to you in the, in the quickest possible manner, he's explaining this, which is taking time, by the way, is if we only make the same burgers for everyone. What I came to the conclusion of is they've been doing it this way since 1930 and have not come around to technology. I never understood Burger King until that moment. <laughs> I never understood that it was a big deal to have it your way. <laughs> All right, so Chris, does that encompass your check? And that right? is my check, and my room to Little Woody's instead, and they have a Stranger Things burger that they have on, on Eggo Waffles, and that sounded good, but I did not get it, so you should go there. Yeah, Little Woody's was good. Okay, uh, my recommendation, I'm not recommending that people go watch this, but I'm recommending that we do it for Movie Fighters, which is our other podcast, is Suicide Squad, which I watched on the plane, which is a fascinating movie. <laughs> There's like a kernel of an okay movie in there. Like there's some okay performances, they're neat colors, 
the makeup is like awesome. There are neat <laughs> colors. There are neat colors. <laughs> is there blue? You know, that one's my favorite. There's a lot of, there's a lot of pink uh, in the movie. Um, but uh, the one thing that's missing is uh, a plot. <laughs> and uh, I wish it had had that. But uh, I think we could really dissect it on Movie Fighters. And, and uh, also, we've been offered by a friend of the show, Matt Fisher, $200 to the charity of our choice to watch that movie Movie Fighters. So I think. I, I don't know how that's our thing now. That's our thing now. <laughs> Because we've done it twice now where it's like, I don't want to watch this, but somebody's going to give money to a charity, so I have to. Yeah. This would be the third time. How did we make it so it's not money coming to us? I have no idea, and I really wish that is what we had done. (laughs) So that's our Checks and Rec segment. Usually at this point in the show, uh, we move on to doing comics, but we're not doing that this week. Instead, we're doing a segment that is the hottest segment of podcasting. You'll have to fight with something to eat Sometimes it's savory, sometimes it's sweet Sex, situation Watch us get on Thank you <laughs> It's time for snack situation Chris, what are you snacking on? <coughs> uh, I went to the artist lounge And they had a box of donuts And I was like, does anybody mind if I take this entire box of donuts? <laughs> Because that's the lifestyle I lead. And I recommend you do the same. So we got these donuts from, what is this, Top Pot? Top Pot. Hey, who's local? Okay, how's Top, was top is this a good one? Yeah. I'm, getting, I'm getting a lot of thumbs up. Jay Bax is in the crowd giving me a thumbs up here. They're, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. I'm going to have this fritter. Uh, we also have some Monster Trail Mix. Uh, I have the remnants of an iced coffee from uh, Specialties. I hear they have delicacies there. <laughs> I've really, I've really wanted to go to this. Um, this is local coffee shop. This is a bit. This is local coffee shop that I really wanted to go to. Yeah, we know. We all know what you're going to say. Starbucks. We also have water. Okay. <laughs> We're taking a little break from our live episode to record an ad here at the table. Where? At the table. Where? In the podcast zone. Where? In the zone reserved for podcasters. Mm, where? In the place where the podcasters sit. Where? In the area where podcasts of various types are located at the con. Please just say it. I'm doing the Stone Cold What bit, but with where? It's the Pizone. We're in the Pizone, and we're here to talk to you a little bit about Loot Crate. That's right, Matt. Uh, Loot Crate is a great service. Okay, real talk. I'm going to be 100% real with everybody. I'm going to be truthful and honest with everybody right now. Uh, We had to fly here six hours. Longer for you. It was an excruciating experience. You heard about it just a minute ago. Yeah. but the great thing about being here at this comic book convention in Seattle, Washington, right here in Seattle, Washington, what is that uh, we can just walk out of the floor and get awesome, exclusive, original uh, items based on our favorite pop culture franchises. But what if you don't want to get in an airplane and fly six hours? Is there a way to get, say, four to six exclusive pop culture items? Like pins, wearables, gear, you can't get anywhere else? Yeah, that way is Loot Crate. You sign up for it, and it gets sent to your your house every single month. And you don't have to do anything. Like, you give them the less than $20 a month, and they send the stuff to you. And you know what you're getting is good. Because, look, we're at a convention. Mystery boxes are officially the biggest thing. There, There is a... There are... Okay, there are three or four. Three? Who knows? I, they're a bunch. There are three booths that are nothing but mystery boxes, and they're like 20-foot walls of mystery boxes. That's not a joke. And the mystery boxes are like $40, yeah. and you don't know what you're getting. With Loot Crate, you know you're getting quality stuff. Every box... Like every, the box that everybody gets is the same. It's not like it's not like the lottery. You're getting a box that's guaranteed to have four to six amazing items in it. So here's what you need to do: go to lootcrate.com/slash/warrocketajax. Enter the offer code warrocketajax. Do not get on a plane to go across the country if you don't have to. Instead, just have them bring cool stuff to you. It's so much easier with Loot Crate. 
And now, back to our live show. Catch your ass in the zone. It's time uh, to talk to our guests. That's right. They're right back here. They are the writer and artist of Curse Words from Image Comics. Charles Soule and Ryan Brown, please come up. You have, you have to come up. You have to come up. You have to come, you have to come up. <laughs> Again, another visual bit that will not translate to audio. Uh, I like Ryan Brown up here, looking like he's on 8 by 10s at a wrestling show. Hey, what's hey, up, Ryan? Great to see you. Hello. Hey, great to see you too. I already saw you earlier. So. You did see me earlier. So we've got some microphones for these guys. We got, we got seven waters. We have a lot of water. Good. Although they're half-size water, so this is really like three and a half waters. <laughs> That's true. Call it, call it four that you had some of that. One thing we love to do on the show is count waters. waters. <laughs> every, every water ever. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're here to talk about uh, Curse Words, which is your your, your newest project. Uh, obviously, Ryan, I'm a big fan of yours from God Hates Astronauts, from Blast Furnace, uh, which, if, if you haven't read Blast Furnace, it was uh, an imp- Im- improvised comic? Yeah, that's, um, that's what I call it my improv comic. Uh, I spent only an hour on each page, and I had no script, and I intentionally didn't think ahead. Uh, and the goal was to do it for... Page a day, five days a week for an entire year. Uh, I did it for six straight months, and then no one was reading it, so I stopped. <laughs> um, but then it found its own kind of uh, wonderful, delightful audience, and I went back and did the last six months' worth last year and put it all together. I so, think you're, you're underselling it shortly, uh, uh, slightly. The, the, the greatest thing, I mean, there's a lot of great things about Blast Furnace, but one of my favorite things is that it's about a recreational thief. So mm-hmm. he, he doesn't need to steal, he does it because it's fun. Uh, and he wears a he wears short sleeves, right? He wears yeah. like a short sleeve Oxford shirt and a tie, but the tie is on fire, and the tie is always on fire, and it's never explained, and it never burns up, uh, except at some point you see him. I believe don't you see him going to his closet, pulling out a tie, putting it out, and setting it on fire? Setting it on fire, yes, yes, yes. Because yes. of course you do. Yeah, no. The 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 book was a, a crazy experiment for me, uh, and I frankly love it, and I loved working on it. It was so fun because. Nothing was precious. I could just throw jokes out there, and if they didn't hit, it didn't matter because I had 262 pages or something to fill. So uh, a lot of a lot of great ideas came out of it, and a lot of bad ideas came out of it. But it, but that didn't really matter because it just pushes forward. And I basically just designed the character of Blast Furnace, the guy with the flaming tie, and then uh, and then just every day I was like, all right, where does this go now? Where does this go now? Where does this go now? And I timed myself so that I wouldn't go over an hour. And just left all the misspellings in and just swinged it. Wanged it, isn't that how it's I wanged it. I wanged it. Um, Wang is definitely what is, what is Blast Furnace's actual name? Ernest Furnace. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, Ryan, you've done that, and, uh, and then God Hates Astronauts. Pretty self-explanatory. It's right there in the title. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my homage to everything I loved when I was growing up. Pretty much it's just uh, a bunch of animal-headed people punching each other with funny sound effects and a lot of swearing. Um, and then it's got like some science fiction action going on, and uh, a bunch of really irresponsible people with great responsibility. Can I can I tell another story about your book? Fire away. Okay, so I've been a, a big fan of, of Ryan Brown's for, for a long time. I hope to work with him someday. Uh, and we, um, you know, so I've been reading God Hates Astronauts since since early, early, early. Like I think the um, I, I I got like an ash can of it or something from you at Eurocon convention a long time ago, and so. Um, you recognize, if you read Brian Brown's stuff, you recognize very early that his favorite theme is anthropomorphic animals. Like, like yes, that is correct. Human-type things with animal heads. Abominations. He loves drawing abominations. <laughs> and I was like, man, this is like his only thing. It's all he cares about. It's all he thinks about is, is these human-animal hybrid things. Uh, and then recently, he, he posted a picture from his childhood home where he had gone to sort of, I don't know, like sort of look in the basement and count his old crap. And, and in it, he's like, look at all my my toys that I found. And it was this collection of like 3,000 battle beasts, that's what they're called? Yeah, a lot of battle beasts. Battle beasts. Yeah. battle beasts are, surprise, surprise, human-animal hybrid domination things. So he basically bought all of them, doubles in many cases, like stared at them for, for days and days and days, and now that's all he can draw. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you go to art school and you learn a lot about drawing human anatomy, and they, that's 
bashed into every single day. But animals are fun to draw too, but really I don't know how to draw animal bodies. So I just draw the head and then I draw the anatomy that I learned in art school. Yeah, cut out the middleman. That's right. It's, it's, it's my goal to draw nothing um, that's hard for me to draw. That's the goal at all times. <laughs> which, which, when we talk about uh, curse words, there's a, there's a fun story about, about that. But let's wait until we get there. I don't want to jump the gun. Huh? No, I'm really excited about this because this means I'm really excited about the next segment of the podcast, which is where uh, Ryan Brown has to like tell a cool story about She Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I read it once, and uh, uh, there was, there was a, a monkey in it, and that made me really happy. Uh, I really liked that part. And then the person is green. It was good. I liked it a lot. But I can't talk about story. That's why I don't write Chris words. That's why he writes it. Chris, before you get to the next one, can you maybe want to have waters? Uh, yeah, yeah. And let's grind the podcast to a halt. Because Matt's a little thirsty. Listen, Woo. it's important. Say hydrated. Say hydrated. Thank you. Uh, so, Charles, you, uh, yes. you burst onto the scene with Letter 44 from Money Press. Uh, a book with an amazing hot concept. Uh, people would know you from from She-Hulk. Yes. Uh, presumably other things. Yes, I have written uh, what seven eighths of Marvel's output for the last three years, something like that. Yeah, no, everyone is mad at you. Yeah. By the way. Um, so so I've I've written a lot of comic books. Um, I, I I started writing for Marvel and DC in like twenty thirteen. Um, but before that, I put in some indie work, uh, Level 44, some earlier stuff, Strongman 27, a bunch of different things. Um, but yeah, so I, I wrote, I've been writing the Inhumans books at Marvel for over three years, like 50 years worth of stuff. I did a long run on Swamp Thing, Superman Wonder Woman, I'm, I'm in the middle of a long run on Daredevil, um, did the run She-Hulk, what else? A lot of Star Wars books, writing uh, Lando, Bodamron, Obi-Wan and Anakin, other stuff that I can't talk about yet. I don't know, so... so the upshot is, though, so so I, I started writing, my last big creator on project was Letter 44, the, the high concept of which is that you have a U.S. president who gets elected, and on his very first date, he reads that secret letter from the previous president, which tells him that um, the U.S. government has known about aliens building something huge in the asteroid belt for the past seven years, and they kept it secret. So now the new president, on day one, is like, holy sh- darn, uh, what am I, I going to do? Uh, and, and it's about him kind of thinking about how, as president, he's going to lead the country through this, what what may or may not be this horrible disaster that's coming, he just doesn't know. And and it was interesting because when I started the project, um, it was really, we were in uh, Obama's first term, uh, and, and it's been sort of published through his through his second term. Uh, and and, and the, the president of the book is sort of an Obama analog. He's, he's similar to him in many ways. And so, uh, inevitably, now that kind of the book is wrapping up, I find myself thinking about what the book would have been if it was called Letter 45. And we, we had our current president who had who was faced with this, um, this traumatic situation. Uh, and I'm not sure what our current president would do. Um, I assume we would all die quickly, but that might be the case anyway. So, yeah, you go. political, not political. Well, if we could veer away from being political for a second, because uh, that is part of the War Rocket Age x game, let me get to that thing. Um, I have written down here uh, a question for the two of you, and it's, um, do you guys want a donut before I ask this? Oh, that's not the question? Yeah. That's an easy question. I'm okay, but thank you. That's not the one I wrote. I said, um, Okay. <laughs> you're, you're, hang on a second. <laughs> Dear Mr. Charles Soule and Ryan Brown, I am a wizard enthusiast, and as such, I consider wizards to be a very serious matter. So you'll understand my concern when I found that curse word seems to be a type of goof that is full of hijinks. Wizards are serious and do serious things with their hands. <laughs> All the ones I have known have never told or heard a joke. So please, Mr. Charles Hall and Mr. Ryan Brown, answer my question. Did you intend to have these hijinks? Thank you very much. I'll take my answer off air. No, no, no Matt, Matt. You, Matt, you can leave. You, we're doing the show. You have to sit back up. I hate to break it to this. I feel bad telling you this, but those, those men you met, they weren't actually wizards. <laughs> and, and the things that they did with their hands, just... Let's talk about it after the show. All right? I'll, I'll tell you what was really going on. All right. 
uh, and, and we feel very confident in our depictions of wizards and curse words. And uh, if you want to see what they're like, please, please enjoy the book. Yes. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Honestly, though, how did you guys come up with the wizard? <laughs> the name wizard? Uh, origin oh. Originally, his name, well, we were trying to come up with the name of what the book would be. We wanted to do a book about a wizard uh, and make it super sweet. So originally it was Wiz Sword. It was Wizard and Sword combined. Uh, and then we uh, we tested it on people to see if they could figure out how to pronounce it. Was Wiz? No one, no one could say it. Wiz Sword. Wiz what? And um, the logo was cool. It was like a, a Wiz Sword, and then there was like a sword in it. Um, and so we we cut out the middleman, which in this case was the letters S and W. Mm-hmm. And that turned into Wizard, which we thought was really cool. And then we're like, well, what do we do with that? And our choices were either um, uh, uh, Gizzard Wizard, I think, because he likes the rhyming names, uh, or Wizard. And thankfully, uh, good sense prevailed. Yeah, and Wizard was the original title of the book yes. for a while when we were when we were working on it. Um, and then we realized how confusing that word is. Um, so we settled on curse words, which I think was a pretty solid solid. Idea. It's true. Uh, so the book's coming out through Image, and, and the, um, the the publisher of Image, Eric Stevenson, was like, "Man, this this is good stuff. We like this a lot." But but you guys really just consider, just think about maybe not calling it a strange word that nobody's going to understand. Or really <laughs> <laughs> like a typo. Name it yes. a typo. <laughs> when you were thinking about calling it Wizard, were, was part of the concern that people were going to be buying it, looking for like the top ten hot artists, or <laughs> or like like previews of a uh, Previews of the hot new books. Man, we book should run that. on every cover. <laughs> yeah, um, I bet that would sell very well for I you. I bet it would. I bet it would for a while. Uh, for a while, and then we'd go out of business and crash and burn. Um, I, I think that uh, you just sort of, when you're when you're coming up with a new concept and all the all the ideas are fresh and new, you're really excited about them. Just every idea seems awesome. You can't you can't get outside your own head about it a little bit, and that was sort of the idea with the title. So for a long time, we just didn't have anything that felt better or more like what the book was than Wizard. Um, but now, we have a sweet title which is Curse Words, and if you go to your store and ask for it by name, that's what you have to say. Yeah, we definitely battled for a while with a really long list of titles. It's really hard to yeah. get a, a perfect title, and we Charles came up with Curse Words, and we and we went past it, and then we came back to it about I don't know, a week and a half later, and it's like, you know what? That's actually a perfect Hi. title. Yeah. Love you. Sorry, Joe Mulvey's here. Uh, if you guys don't know Joe Mulvey, he uh, describes himself as Joe Pesci meets Mickey Mouse. Uh, so if you go to his table, you will talk to a man with an unbelievable voice. Yes. You know what a great place to record a podcast is? <laughs> Where dozens and hundreds of people are walking by and can just yell. It's such a large hallway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Anyway, here you are. Sorry about that. <laughs> Um, anyway, so Curse Words, yes, it's the greatest book. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's the greatest book. It is. But that's, book. but that's a full quote on the paperback. Yes, yes. From, from you. Charles Charles. Charles this is the greatest what? book. Writer, Curse Words. <laughs> yep. So, so the premise... Is, if I'm not going to do it, who's going who's gonna to do it? Yeah. Who's going to say that if I don't? That has been my philosophy for the entire time that I've been writing. Yep. I gotta tell them so they'll know. Uh-huh. Plus, you have incredible taste, which will be my quote. Charles taste has maker. incredible taste. taste maker. Yeah. So, so people will believe you. Trent said. Yep. All right, what's your next question? Uh, I didn't actually prepare any questions either. Chris, you were talking about, you were, start, you were starting a question. Good Lord, you were starting a question. Was <laughs> I? You said the word premise because you were going to ask about the premise. I'm a listener, and I heard it. <laughs> uh, I've always appreciated that about you, Matt. So the premise, the premise of Curse Words is that Wizard is a wizard mm-hmm. from a magic world. Yes. Yeah. Uh, who comes to Earth and becomes a... Pro- like, not only in order to conquer it, correct? Well, so, so the world he comes from is like a like a like a Lord of the Rings kind of magical fantasy land where the bad guys won. So like Sauron won, Voldemort won, whatever. And and he is he's kind of the, the right hand man to the big bad there. So he's like the worst wizard this place has to has to offer. He's a real uh, jerk bad. He's a real jerk bad. 
Um, very difficult, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> very difficult. We got darn truck back. And so he he is sent here uh, to destroy the world. And But the, the spell that he needs to develop, it takes a while. There's lots of degrees. He's got to get eyes of Newton and stuff. So he's, he's going all around with his, his familiar, who is a... Uh, a little black sewer rat who's been here kind of like learning all about this place and has all the, and that talks and is like giving him all the information he needs to find the ingredients there. So, so he's here for like a month and he's putting the spell together and during that time he like starts to dig it. I mean he he sees that people in this world are kind of free and happy more or less and they're, they're doing they're living their lives the way they want to and he's like compared to the the crap hole that I come from, this is actually a really cool place to, to live. And so he decides that when the, when the moment comes to destroy the world, he's not going to do it. He just doesn't cast a spell. And instead, he gets a super sweet haircut, uh, turns his super rat familiar into a really super cute talking koala familiar, and starts casting spells for money. So he gets super rich and super famous. Everyone in the world is like, wow, we now have a wizard? This is great! <laughs> and um, But the problem is he's still the most evil Hitler-esque wizard that, you know, he's not a good dude. He just wants to be famous and rich. So he gets famous and rich, but then his boss, back in the bad place, is like, so why didn't you, you didn't do your job? I guess I'm gonna have to murder you by sending evil wizard assassins after you, and then get the job done anyway. So now, Wizard, our hero, our dark hero, is in the unenviable position of having to defeat these wizardly assassins, and by default can, like, save the world all the time, because if he ever loses one of these battles, they're going to burn it all down. So he's a, he's a real jerkbag, as I said. Uh, he has a talking koala friend who's very fun. Um, and it's just, it's, it's like silly, but there's a, there's a neat moral core to it because this guy's ultimate motivation is he wants to be famous and happy and like go to clubs and have a cool haircut and stuff like that. But he's still saving the world at the same time. But he does it in the most amoral, dark way possible. Like every chance he has to kind of be a good guy, he, he, he doesn't. He doesn't. Well, it feels like he's trying to do what's right, but he doesn't really know what's right. So yeah, he's just yeah. he's kind of just guessing at it. Exactly. Uh, there's a lot of that in the in the second issue that is very entertaining uh, with the the people who were in a baseball stadium. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I was going to bring up the baseball stadium because it's extremely funny. Um, and like, I just wonder because. Because, like, I have to, in the stuff I've written, some of the stuff I've written, I've kind of had to, like, get in the headspace of somebody with a non-normal sense of rea- of morality yep. uh, to write, you know, as them. So I wonder, like, what you think about when you're trying to think of what would wizard think is the right, wizard think is the right thing, would be totally wrong about it. I mean, it's, it, you, you, you nailed it the way that I, I try to think about it and write about it because I'm, I'm writing about this guy as somebody who has only sort of been told what the right thing to do is. Like, he has this vague sense of what other people might need and, and want in their lives. Like, he's, everything he's ever had to do to survive in his world, the evil place, has been very self-centered. Like, it's all about power and fighting. And, and the idea is the more well-known you are, the, it's because the more feared you are. Like, the fame is, is fear where he comes from. And, and if you're feared, it's because you're the, the baddest, most evil person there is. So here, fame is not, you don't get, you don't get famous, I mean, you can get famous for doing evil things. Uh, and I can go political there again, but I'm not going to. Um, you get famous from, from doing good things, from, from sort of doing, you know, making the world a brighter, better place in many ways. And so that to him is a very foreign way to think. And so he's trying to kind of figure out literally what doing the right thing is and he makes a lot of mistakes along the way. And again, because his motivation is not to do the good thing, the right thing for its own sake, he's doing it because he like likes how it makes him feel and likes when people say, oh, you're so amazing, Wizard, you're the best, which is a weird motivation for a quote-unquote hero, which he's not. He's, he's a really, he's a big jerk guy. Now, the thing that I've, I've written about really loving about Chris Woods before is that if you're a fan, if you're a fan of Ryan's, uh, but you're not necessarily a fan of Charles's, or you're a fan of yours, but not necessarily a fan of Ryan's. If you haven't read God Hates Astronauts, but you know Letter 44, or She-Hulk, or all the Star Wars books, or everything yeah. that Marvel puts out. Because, right. you know, some other people would maybe like some more of Charles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you're coming to it as a fan of either of you... I'll be that someday. I'll be that someday. <laughs> I, the rate you're going... <laughs> yeah, true, true. We, we're, all, we're, we're all a little worried... I got. I got to be honest. No, no, it'll be fine. Uh, but but if you're if you're coming to it as a fan of one of you and not necessarily a fan of both, I think you get everything you want out of that book. 
because it does feel it, it makes perfect sense that you were a big fan of God Hates Astronauts and Lost Furnace because it does feel like one of your books it has that bizarre edge to it that you find in in those which I really find appealing uh, so was that was that a difficult sort of balance to strike or did it just come naturally because it's, it's rare to see that kind of perfect synthesis of everything that you like about a creative team that's never worked together before yeah, I think I think we balance each other out really, really well. Uh, I am very good at making stuff up, but I'm really not too good at at, at figuring out what it all means. Uh, and and Charles is excellent at that. So together, we we really uh, started with a lot of ideas about things that would be fun to draw and things to be story that would be fun to tell, and. We bounce back and forth a lot. You know, Charles and I really enjoy riffing a lot and coming up with ideas and then figuring it out how they all connect. Um, so a lot of the book was come up through a collaborative process. And then as Charles sits down to write the scripts, he figures out how things connect in a more emotional manner, uh, long-term plot and motivation of the characters. Stuff that I'm not super good at doing. Um, and so it really is a pretty collaborative effort at all times. Um, you know, there's a lot of it. Charles gives input on the designs that I'm doing, uh, and I give input on his scripts. So we're, we're constantly going back and forth. Um, and I really think that our sensibilities mix very, very well. And where we are strong, we pick up for the other person. So um, I, I felt I was so pleased when the first issue was done because reading it through again, I felt it didn't read like any other book that's being created. Like there's no real good uh, comparable that I could throw out there. There's there's elements that were taken from here and there, but I feel like with Charles and I spitting the story, it, it it's become its own kind of unique thing, which has been an awesome, pleasant surprise. Because if I were just doing it myself, it would just be a wizard punching koalas all the time. But with Charles helping me, Paul is actually his friend instead of. He doesn't, he doesn't punch it. Can you yet? Can you do that arc though? Eventually, the punching, the punching koalas, the, the heel turn for for the koala. You know, it's it's really God, it is so much fun to to literally. I mean, we could we could do anything we want, and that is that is just the the real joy of of a creator on book in general, but also this particular premise because when when we went into it, uh, I remember very distinctly thinking. I want to do something where Ryan and I can, where, where Ryan's strengths, which I really do think are the incredibly out of left field idea that's so clever, like you can't believe nobody's ever thought of it before. Um, for example, I'll give you two examples of, of Ryan's unique, unique genius. Um, uh, he did a commission of the Punisher once, um, and, and the Punisher uh, looked like himself, big buff, scary, you know, the whole Punisher deal, except instead of guns, he had little alligators. He had alligators in his hands and on his back, and like he was shooting the alligators somehow, and it was it was the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. So so that was that was one of the, the brilliant ideas that Ryan found. Just comes up out of nowhere he comes up with this stuff. And the other one um, uh, is you you've heard of Batman and Robin. Right? So passing away from lawyer. Mm-hmm. So with, with the addition of a single letter, just one letter to each of their two names, he came up with the genius that is Boatman and Rogan. And he drew them. It's the best drawing I've ever done. They're nautically themed Batman and Robin. Yeah. And it's just, you're like, oh my god, of course, Boatman and Rogan. And, and I, when I, when I, when we kind of knew we were finally going to be doing something together for real, it was, it was important to me that the book's premise had room for, for whatever the equivalent of Bill Hammer Rogan was going to be in this book. Um, and, and so... Wizard! Yeah, Wizard, you know? Uh, yeah. But then we, it's, it's really worked out that way. Like, so, so, Ryan gets a script for me, which is full script, which means that every panel is like, I want this to happen, I want this to happen, I want this to happen. This is what's being said in that panel. And, but at the same time, Ryan can take a beat and blow it up or expand it or focus on it or whatever. Uh, and in particular, you can add weird stuff into the backgrounds, which is great. So the life, there's a lot of life in the panel beyond whatever I'm writing in the script. And so we take those moments between the two of us and we, we you know, finding brand new plot threads out of it and um, brand new jokes and brand new gags. And it just feels like, I think, 
you know, again, I, I wrote it, so I love it. You drew it, so you love it. We like it. But you guys have, have read it as outsiders, not part of the creative process uh, involved in the book. And I, I, I hope that kind of the, we really want every panel to feel like it's very alive and crackling almost with energy. And so that's what we've been trying to do. It really moves. And, and the way the, the visuals in it and the colors uh, also just, it's, it's a very kinetic, energetic book, uh, which is great. Yeah, we, the color was very important to me. Uh, I, I, I largely think in color, and when I'm drawing, I'm thinking about how the color is going to define the shapes and the lighting um, of the effects that I'm doing. And so once we started thinking more and more about the color, uh, our wizard assassins started having a color theme to them. Uh, so every single, like, wizard uses sapphires to power up and give a super boost to his magical power. So he his magic has a blue cast to it, but then... There is a character named Ruby Stitch who uses rubies, etc., etc. So all all the characters have their their own color scheme that's derived uh, from the magic color in the stone the, um, the Cornwall, the, the sort of Ponzi wizard that you meet in issue one, he is powered by rose quartz. Uh, there is a there is this is this is a spoiler. This is not been revealed in the series yet. But Botchko the Hogtor, who is a big burly half man half hog, uh, big dude, very scary dude. He is powered by chocolate diamonds. Um, the, the finest gemstone, of course. The, the very finest. Uh, yeah, 97% pure cacao. <laughs> well, I can't wait for you to cross over with the other gem-themed uh, property, Steven Universe, in the near future. Yeah, they, they have been after us. They will yeah. not stop calling us. Or like, let us establish our universe a little bit, guys. Well, I, want, I really want the Captain Planet. Uh, crossover because that's really where my brain was thinking when I was when we were coming up with that. So, so those are our questions. Yes. Uh, but yeah. this is the part of the show where we open it up to our listeners to ask questions of our guests. Or ah. people rapidly leave. But as people bail out, this bitch. <laughs> usually, uh, usually we take questions from Twitter, uh, but this time. We're just going to go out into the audience. Well, well Matt, if people want to ask questions, if people want to get into these conversations we have, you should never leave them more like Apex. How can they go about that? Go to Let's see what you prepared. <laughs> I have one. <laughs> go to flight school. Become a pilot. Practice non-normal landings. Get on a plane. Fly it to Seattle, Washington. Perform that non-normal landing. Then, sit in this hallway, <laughs> where people are trying to record a podcast, but there's lots of ambient noise, and it'll probably sound like garbage. <laughs> then, sit in the audience, and wait until I come to you, raise your hand politely, and then wait until I come to you, and then you can ask a question of Charles Soule, Ryan Brown, Chris Sims, or me. Can, can I make one additional requirement? Do not be Ken Lowry. <laughs> if Ken has a question, he can ask. I will, I will, I'm doing the recording. I will delete it. I am not kidding. Try me. Gentlemen, Try me. Gentlemen, may I make a suggestion? We're burning up an awful lot of question time on the lead up to the question. That is true. <laughs> I, I think we might consider asking. Let's Who has a question? I saw Dylan Todd had a question. Dylan House. Dylan House. My man. Uh, my question is for Ryan Does the koala have a human body or a koala body? Um, boy, that's a good question. Real good. Uh, it has a, a real koala body, and uh, koalas are really hard to draw. Like the way that they're they're hold their weight and the way their dumpy body looks is kind of hard to really get right. So, if uh, you've seen any of the original art from the first issue, I ended up towards the end of the issue going back and digitally redrawing all of the market koalas because I had sort of figured out it a little bit. Uh, but the worst part about koalas is they actually have two thumbs on each paw, which I had no idea. They've got they've got three fingers and then two thumbs on one side, and it's horrible looking. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I have to draw that a lot, which is pretty nice. I see Jay Edgar. Jay, what's your question? So Ryan, this is a question for Ryan again. Um, you draw a lot of animals and a lot of fights. What animal do you feel has the most punchable face? Oh man. <laughs> A giraffe is pretty solid, you know, because you get the neck action, you know, that's really, really dynamic face to punch. Um, yeah. Did you know that baby giraffes are the only animal born with horns? 
That's a true, true story, which also makes him more punchable. <laughs> uh, we have another question from Jason Baxter. Yeah, uh, first off, how dare you slander Gates Red? Uncomfortable. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this is a question for everyone. Jerry Fudge Hill, Frank Miller, Jim Serenko, and the Green Eminem. <laughs> Everybody, it's for everybody. Well, uh, here's here's the kill. That green and that green M&M. Get that green M&M away from me forever. Disagree. What, okay, what are you gonna do to the green M&M? I'm gonna marry the green M&M. <laughs> Well, Frank Miller disappeared in 1993, so he's gone anyway. And then, and then, I, and then, Jim, Jim Steranko, <laughs> skate artist. Big fan, big fan. Uh, do I have to answer this, really? No, we can move on. We'll talk about the time for one more. I, I, I'm gonna marry Frank Miller. I'll do all three to all three. <laughs> you, want, you want to know why I'm going to marry Frank Miller? I might change his mind about some things. <laughs> and he's got that Sin City one. <laughs> we, we have time for one more. I think Cobra Commander up here had one. Cobra Commander? Uh, it is not. Yes, this for Mr. Matt Wilson. Uh, will need one be making an appearance at this point? No, never. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right, so that does it for uh, our interview segment. Uh, Ryan, Charles, can you please let everyone know where they can find you, both online and here at the show? Sure. Uh, we are sitting right next to each other uh, at the show all weekend. The tables B1 and B2 in our salad, which is on this floor, sixth floor. So go out there and, and I guess give us a lot of money. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll be there. And uh, we've got a convention exclusive cover that uh, has my a photo of my cat Simon with a, a giant wizard beard. Yeah. Uh, so if you're into that kind of stuff, you know where to find it. V1, B2. And since no one is, and, and no, no, I'll be very lonely uh, today. We have, lots other, we have lots of other covers, of course. There's lots of other great books, too. Um, and then online, I'm mostly on Twitter. You can find me just at my name, Charles Soul, S-O-U-L-E. And Ryan is at, uh, what, Ryan? Ryan Brown Art. Yeah. Brown has an E on the end. And uh, mainly just Instagram, you know, because I like drawing things and not using words. So uh, if you like pictures of my cat and then drawings of koala thumbs, uh, <laughs> that's where you can find it. All right. Our guests, our guests have been uh, Ryan Brown, Charles Soul, uh, the creative team behind Curse Words. It's an amazing book that you should you should all read. <laughs> it, it started early. I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep talking, fan. That's it. That's it. That's all I gotta say. Read the read the book. Go see it with the con uh, at the next con there. Go see them there if you're listening to this at home. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming by. I'm a huge, huge fan of the book, and I think it's great. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks, man. Well, what a fun time we had, Matt. You know, we didn't actually answer. Uh, I don't guess it was a question. It was a comment about Nick Strymon. Can they not just put not put mustard on a burger? Nope. Mustard is terrible. Thanks for coming, everybody. Thanks for coming. Uh, we're not done yet. Uh, we always like to do a little thing in the show where we recommend a, a good organization that could, uh, could use a little bit of your money. Uh, this week, uh, we are going to recommend the Hero Initiative, uh, which is a great organization that uh, helps out comics creators in need uh, with medical bills and, and things like that. There are going to be plenty of people around here that are going to be uh, doing sketches uh, for the Hero Initiative uh, that you can find. I'm sure the Hero Initiative has a table somewhere that you can go to, or it's heroinitiative.org, uh, and they do some really good work over there. Uh, that does it. Yeah, uh, a little bit of wrap-up here at the end of the show. If you would like to hear episodes of Warrock and Ajax where there aren't a thousand people walking by, just so uninterested. Uh, yes. Uh, you can go to our website, which is warrockdayjacks.com. That is where you can download the show, stream the show, read show notes, and leave comments. Uh, you can also check us out on iTunes. If you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps more people find the show. Uh, also, if you would like to send us an Every Story Ever list or a panel president list, those are our ranking segments. You can do so at our email address, which is warrockedpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, that is also where you can Listener questions, or just let us know 
if you like the show. Um, and now we're going to tell you where you can find us online, if you'd like to find us online. Uh, for me, it's pretty easy. You can just go to mattdwilson.net, and all my stuff is there. Uh, I'm at d-isb.com, that's b as in Batman, d-isb.com, and I'm d-isb on Twitter. And for the rest of the show, you can come find us in the zone. <laughs> in the zone reserved for podcasters at table PZ7. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, everybody. We love you. We do. We love you.